Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Lovefruit Podcast. And we have another fantastic guest today, Eric Biard. And Eric graduated in agronomy and was formerly employed in the organic sector for 10 years. He was convinced of the benefits, the obvious benefits of living food and the effects that it was having on his health and well-being. And this gave him a desire to bring this way of life to more people and share it with others. And he founded the company BioV, which uh, since has had uh, great success, has over 75,000 customers, is recognized as the leading company for living food uh, products in France. And they also say they've sold over a, about a million fresh coconuts, very uh, amazing success. And um, Eric joins us today from France, and he is. Let me know that English is not his first language, but hopefully that we will uh, that we will understand each other and uh, and uh, get your message out a little bit to our audience, Eric. So thank you very much for joining us today. With pleasure. So the is there anything else you'd like to say about yourself to start off? Well, what I can say is is. Um... Well, many, many people join the raw food movement after having met some health issues, uh, mental health issues or physical health issues or injuries or, or well, some kind of heavy issues. In my case, uh, it did not happen like this. Uh, it was more journey from getting slowly from being vegetarian when, uh, in my, my early 20s uh to vegan and to raw vegan and so this was like a, a, a quiet journey for example my wife she turned from classical eating to living foods overnight uh it's completely different path but i i did not um for me it was really a slow and long journey it was not it did not happen all of a sudden sure sure and what do you think? Well, let, let's let's start off. Um, what was your upbringing like? What was your lifestyle like as a child, as a teenager, and so on? Were you brought up on a mm. traditional diet? Yeah, I was. Listen, my father was a baker. He was a meilleur ouvrier de France. Uh, he was a famous baker in France, recognized baker. He was writing books and traveling also. And my mother was Dutch. So I was raised in Holland and in France. And well, you know, national sports in Holland is drinking uh, milk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because everywhere you, 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 you pop out, you, you, you face out a window, you can see cows everywhere. So when you are in Holland, it's, uh, I was used to have uh, milk uh, morning, midday and evening on the table, uh, on the family table. And in Holland, you buy yogurts by liters. It's not by small, small <laughs> quantities. It, it's, it's completely another, well, I don't know. It's really national sports. And my father was a baker. So he was always taking back home in the evening. Uh, he was at the beginning, he was a teacher in bakery. And after he has his own bakery. So I was used during all my childhood to, to taste all of kind of uh, pastries, breads. He was making 25 kind of different breads in France in his bakery. So mainly my staple food was uh, 
dairy products and 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 gluten products so this was really the way i was raised and for me when i was a a child and a teenager uh, it was like common to have flus and to be ill and to have uh, to be sick at least two or three times in the winter it was well when i was not sick in the winter i was i was like okay what is going on so my my parents did not have a, a big. Uh, they did not eat organic or, well, I had no background uh, that triggered interest in in this kind of diet at all. Sure. And it was more when I came to a teenage when I became a teenager, I started to make my own choices, and I was really. I had a feeling of being fed up of of all the all the dairy products. It was like no more. I think I, <laughs> it was like I think I even uh, cut off dairy products before uh, cutting completely m- m- meat and fish. So that's more or less what happened. And uh, when I was twenty, uh, one time in Greece. Uh, on a camp uh, ground, I met a Swiss girl who told me I'm veg- I'm vegan, vegetarian since I was born. And for me, it was a shock because everybody has been telling me uh, it's dangerous or it's tricky or it's you you put yourself in 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 in, in danger to be vegetarian because you have you are going to face uh, ish- health issues and uh, you are going to lack iron or calcium or whatever. And I just met that lady uh, and she was brilliant. So it, it, it was really some, it made a, a shift in my mind. Okay, it's possible to be vegetarian on the long term. So I made the decision at that time and it was the beginning of the journey. Yes. Excellent, excellent. And um, did you growing up have any particular health problems? No, I wouldn't qualify health problems. I mean, it was more discomforts uh well i had a lot of spots on my face when i was teenager i had greasy hair i had headaches uh once or twice a week um i had colds flus you know that kind of well yeah i don't know it's not really health issues but uh it's like more in the um, it's uncomfortable it's it's something you grow up with and you think it's normal and when all these conditions leave your life, then you understand what real health is. It's it's something we are, we are so much used to have it, so we don't think it's it's something uh, that can be improved or it's it's quite rare. My wife also, when she got to raw food, many things changed changed, but for her, these were some issues she was getting used to. So, but I had no severe, severe um, issue or problem, no. Yeah. So what was the, the first step towards changing to a healthier diet and lifestyle? Was it the diet that changed first? Was it exercise? Was it meditation? What was the first thing you did to move towards a healthier life? Well, it was all mixed up because at that time I also had the opportunity to meet the Dalai Lama when I was 20 uh, because I was a member of a human rights defense organization in France and I got some money from the government to make an interview uh, of Tibetan refugees and the Dalai Lama also. 
very early. So this changed also my mind to be, to see that when you are 20, you can meet a president uh, of, a, of, of a country. And um, so I started to also at that time to, to explore Buddhism. And well, it was all a big, a bit mixed also with my, my diet change. Um, and also I have been very strong in, in new age movements at that time. And I started, uh, I started, um, I wanted to be, you know, um, in France, we have a Médecins Sans Frontières. It's Doctors With No Borders, you know. So I yeah. started some medical studies uh, during two years, but I was, I had not the level to go forward. And so I changed and I did some, uh, I did the same I mean, but in agronomy. So I, I made some studies in tropical agronomy. So it opened uh, my mind a lot and I, I traveled a lot. And I went at that time when I made Dalai Lama and, and two years after I, I went two times to India and I see a whole population was growing well with no meat, no fish. And uh, well, they have some dairy products in, in, in India. But so we started like this, uh, a spiritual um journey and uh, a, a new diet journey at the same time it was really mixed up and I was also I became parent quite early we are taking care of six kids and uh, I had my first daughter who is now midwife when I was 24 and it also makes a big change when you have a kid you are thinking well, what I'm going, what am I going to to feed to my to my to my kids now? So when I had a kid, it was really uh, I started to be hundred percent on uh, um, organic foods. And during all my study, I did only all my agronomy study. I only worked in uh, organic uh, farms and organic organization in India, in Ecuador, in New Caledonia. So that's that's. Um, yeah, it started from far away, I would say. Yeah, and you, it mentions in, in your information that you studied tropical agronomy. Yeah. And what was, what, well, what is that and what, 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 were, what were the studies and so on? Well, it's a, you have two schools like this. Uh, in France, you know, we had many, many um, uh, people going away from Europe and uh, going to Africa uh, one or two centuries ago to, but it was more connected with religion and everything. So there was a school that is now maybe 130 years old that was uh, training uh, these kind of persons leaving uh, Europe to go to Africa, to Asia, to South America. And uh, slowly but gently, it became something more professional. So now this school uh, is called ISTOM and they are, they have all students in 70 countries. And so with this, this is, this was more designed to uh, go um, in our countries. And what I mainly did uh, in the, the jobs I, I had there is I did not bring anything from Europe. I organized um, how can I explain that? I organized gatherings with elderly people and uh, younger people to ease the ancient wisdom to go to the new generations. We don't have anything to bring them or to teach them in these countries. They have their own wisdoms. 
but somehow what is happening is the wisdoms are being lost by the generations because the connection between the elderly people and the newer generation is not so strong. So that was my 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 thinking of uh, of setting up gatherings or uh, meetings or uh, demonstrations or uh, workshops with elderly people and with younger people. So that's what, what I did in, in these countries at that time. And after I had, uh, well, I was a father and I had to come back to France uh, because uh, my first wife, she was a doctor at that time and she had to finish her study. Yeah, yeah. And was it around about this time that you started going towards veganism? Yeah, I was already more or less in veganism at that time. I, I, I quite very quickly cut off uh, all when when I turn out uh, when I turn on without meat and fish. I I just cut off dairy products very quickly because yeah. I was even more uh, fed up with dairy products than meat and fish. Um, but I was nearly vegan from the beginning. But I was the bad vegan one. I mean the bad. At that time, there were very <laughs> few uh, informations available. Uh, maybe in English there were some, but in French it was like dessert. Uh, and I was well, I was doing traditional mixing rice and 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 and, uh, and chickpeas or lentils, you know. Yeah, yeah. The classical uh, vegan way. So I I had some health improvements in my condition, more energy, but I still was coping with. Uh, headaches and 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 well some discomforts and well these kind of things and but uh yeah it, it lasted like this for a few years and uh one day a friend of mine told me okay listen uh i was living in uh, uh in burgundy at that time i remember and one day I had an old friend of mine who was owning an organic shop in, in, uh, in, in um, Normandy. And he told me, listen, uh, I'm, he was, so he was far away. It was in Rouen, you know, Rouen is, uh, and he was going to Geneva to listen to Brian Clement um, from Hippocrates Health Institute. He was going for a lecture or for a, a workshop for two days. Yeah. And I was impressed. This guy was traveling 1,800 kilometers just to go to a lecture. Yeah. <laughs> so on the way on, on my home, he, he, he slept uh, at my house and he made me my uh, very first war vegan meal. And I was completely impressed. And uh, then he gave me some information about uh, what was going on in in. Uh, in um, in Florida, um, and well, it was the beginning. I started listening uh, to all the audios, uh, all conferences from Brian Clement, and and then what happened? Um, I asked my friend when he came back. I I was really willing to to do something with Brian Clement, and I told him, well, do you think it would be possible to organize a workshop in France with Brian Clement or something? At that time, I, I was working in an organic farmer's company. And it was very funny because he told me it's impossible. This guy is completely overbooked. He's all uh, half of a year in planes and, and he wouldn't come to a non-English speaking country or, well, 
and he told me it was merely he already tried and he thought it was impossible. But by one time, at one time, I, I just called at the institute. I remember it was uh, Monday uh, afternoon, and somebody picked the phone up there, and I could speak to Brian Clements' uh, personal assistant. And she told me, okay, listen, we have a gap between Barcelona and London uh, in uh, two months, something like this. And, but it's, then it's a gap in the week. So it's only between Monday and, 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 and Thursday. Yeah. And I told her, okay, I, I, let's see if I can organize something. And later on, what I knew when I met Brian, he told me, listen, what happened, in fact, you phoned the institute the day my I had my new assistant. So the old one quit the Friday. I spoke with her on Monday, and she was thinking I was I was a normal, uh, you know, organizer of events with him because she she didn't <laughs> knew anyone. So it was it was a funny. Uh, chance we could say and so I could organize my first living food event in 2005 and uh, and then uh, Brian Clement told me listen uh, if you want to widespread the living food movement in France I give you the rights of the first living food books that was published in France it was um, living food for optimal health yeah. And so all the story started at that moment. Uh, it's we, I started the business and uh, I started, yeah, it's we, we started, the, I started the living food business at that time. So that's more or less the, the, the beginning of a story of the, of a movement in France. But it was really, really, really desert in France around this. We were maybe three, four people uh, working in the living food movement in 2005. Yeah. So just we'll get back to that one quick thing is it says also in your information you you worked for 10 years in the organic sector is that is that correct yes and what was what was that what you were doing you know in france you have uh well you have mainstream organic farmer you have mainstream farmers and they have a lot of uh there is a lot of things to be done for them they, they get a lot of trainings they let of got they got a lot of subsidies they got a lot of help to put their products on the market. Uh, they, well, they are really supported by the community and socially helped and everything. And then you have the farmers who choose the organic way. And so they have to step out all this system and they are a bit lost because uh, the markets are different, the codes are different, uh, the labeling is different, the, they have less support, they have no training. And so I was working in um, in an, in France. Because, well, it was an association. It was non uh, not like a non-profit association, and we were training uh, farmers to switch to organic. So on one side, it was technical because we were training them how to quit uh, the chemicals uh, and well, how how to. How can they do that uh, efficiently? And on the other side, they had to get into new markets they were not used to. And, uh, 
and they yeah they had to be they had to have some support also for uh, training and for meeting the new persons in in organic uh, farming so i was working with maybe 10 other agronomists and we were in charge of four departments in france it's the four department of burgundy um yeah so that was uh, that was what we were doing at that time awesome awesome so um you mentioned that when you started off with this book so i think that the first thing that you really did was with, with the company was that you wanted to publish this book yeah and i believe that um that to fund that book you uh was it the the wheatgrass or sprouting yeah it's, it's it has a connection i had absolutely zero money i had three kids in charge i was owning 800 euros per month because i was only working half time and doing uh, homeschooling half time and uh, at that time you know i had another chance another opportunity that i did not i just noticed after like the story with the assistant of brian clement I had absolutely no money, really nothing, and I did not. I needed twenty-five thousand euros to print the book. And uh, at that time, I had been always sprouting during my all my teenager, young adult, and sprouting has been something that was always in my kitchen because I had at one moment I was uh, I had just a, a bedroom in a house of a family when I was a student and I had no kitchen. So mm-hmm. to have some fresh products, I had the sprouter. Then. Oh, wow. So back then, uh, I, f- I bought a sprouter in Australia because uh, an automatic sprouter, the Easy Green Sprouter in Australia. And then I, 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 I couldn't find this, this device in Europe. So I called the owner of a company in US and I told him, okay, I would be interested to to, to, well, I had to make some money, you know, and quite quickly to, to be able to print it, that book out. So I had this in mind and I was thinking, how can I make money quickly? So I found this man and I told him, okay, I would like to rent your uh, sprouter and to, uh, sorry, to import your sprouter in Europe and to start selling it in Europe. And uh, <clears throat> he told me, okay, but you have to buy one full container to start. So one full container was the same story. It was between 20 and 25,000 uh, euros at that time. And what happened at that time, it, uh, it was in 2006 or yeah, six, seven. And it was at the time when, when the, the dollar was super low compared to Euro. So the prices he gave me just dropped because of the currency exchange uh, difference. And we got to a point where one euro, one uh, euro was $1.60. So very fortunately, I I, I could buy one container of Sprouter, I started selling it in France and it, it, it sold very quickly because there was no sp- automatic sprouter on the market at that time. And within, uh, well, I forgot to tell you, I to buy the sprouter, I asked my father to uh, rent me 20,000 euros. And I told him, I think I can give it back to you in six months. 
So I bought the container and uh, the time, the just very week I bought the container, the euro what was at, at its peak ever. Uh, it, <laughs> it was 160, it's, it was amazing. So I didn't pay the container very much because of the currency change. And then I could make it. I mean, I could sell one container, buy another one, and uh, seven months after, I can I could give back to my father the twenty thousand euros, and then I could uh, set aside the money to start the company and to print out the book of uh, that Brian Clement gave me the rights for free for encouraging me um, doing something in the wolf food movement in France. And how did you find how did you find the customers for uh, the the structure? Uh, it was it, it's crazy because I have absolutely no commercial skills. Um, <laughs> I'm just uh, very passionate about what I do. So uh, even when I I, I made the, the event with Brian Clement, I hired a pony club where my daughter was in uh, <laughs> for for having the the, the show there. And then uh, I I had really no basements and. What I did, I just wrote some articles about living foods and I called and I contacted some magazines and I asked them uh, like a trade, can you publish my article about living foods, which is quite new in France and just mention at the end of the article that uh, uh, we are selling uh, sprouters. And that's how it's all started. But uh, what I forgot to tell you, I had also um, a website called EcoBioInfo that I started very in 1999. Uh, that was about alternative living. So, um, but this was only, I was doing it for, uh, there was no money involved. It was just, uh, you know, it was the first blog. It was not even a blog. It was called forums at that time. Yeah. Uh, 22 years or three years ago. And um so I had some community already at that time. It was before Facebook, before all the social media, before YouTube and everything. But on the forum, yes, there was there were I don't know how many members, but it was like this at these times. Uh, I had like a community of members, so it helped me also to 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 start the business at that time. Great, excellent. And how and at that point did you start to? After you'd been with Brian Clement, did you change your diet to a more living foods diet? And, and what did that I mean? was already here, yeah, of course. I, I was, uh, I started just when this friend came by. Um, I, I ordered books in English and I read books in English, and I really, I was one uh, 18 months, 100%. I just wanted to go 100% for a long time to see how it was going. And uh, well, it was a big, a bit hard with three young kids, but I, I, I kept it. I was really super, uh, super strict at that time. And uh, yes, from that time, uh, it was in 2004, uh, 2005 and 2006. Yes, I think it was in 2006 that I was really doing 2005 and six. I was doing 18 months at 100%. And it did not change a lot uh, through the years. And one thing I was eating really for a long time were, were uh, algae. Okay. We have a chance in France to have a very brilliant uh, 
natural area in Brittany where they can harvest uh, fresh seaweed. And at that time I was uh, ordering bulk uh, by 15 kilos and it was lasting me eight, nine months in the fridge. So I was making, um, I was making what we call the tartare d'algue. So it's a, like a, a paste with pickles and, and uh, fresh seaweed. So this is one, or sprouts, algae, and fermented foods. It's something really I'm, I'm nearly on a daily basis in my diet for okay. for yeah for more than twenty years now. Excellent, excellent. So, um, the, so the, the the company with the BioV um, it started off with the sprouters and the, the yeah. And how did it develop from there and and. Where has it got to now? I suppose if you want to tell us a story about it. Yeah, yeah. So at that time, uh, during seven years, I did only the, the um, I did only that. I did only the um, whole selling of the of a sprouter. So I had some businesses uh, who were uh, I was selling to the sprouter in France and in some well in some neighboring countries. <clears throat> And then uh, in 2011, there was a crisis in Germany about sprouts. I don't know if you remember that breakout of E. coli con contamination. Yeah. What happened is, well, the truth was, it was not an issue with sprouts. It was uh, near the sprouting business. There was a, a place with cows uh, being, uh, well, I don't remember exactly for if it was for milk or for meat. And the water being given to the seeds was contaminated by, by this, this, uh, this farm just near. And when at that time, I nearly had to close the business. From one day to another, uh, nobody was wanted to hear about sprouts anymore. So this was, yes, uh, I understood then I had to diversify and but the first thing I had to, to do to, to survive uh, this crisis was to uh, ask the exclusivity to a manufacturer on all, the, all Europe. And I started selling in Russia, in Ukraine, in, in Poland, in many Eastern countries, which were not so much affected by the, the German crisis because uh, they were far. And uh, yeah, I, I did the sprouting, well, the easy green business only for, I was only selling the easy green for seven years. And then I had a divorce and because I had this, um, I had to store the container near my house in a small warehouse. And when I divorced, I had to, to, uh, to sell the house and also to sell the warehouse. And so I had no more uh, opportunity to, to store the, the, the devices. And so I started working with, um, well, in the UK, it's, it's quite common, but in France, it's not. I, had, I started working with a logistic company at that time. So it was, uh, yes, eight years ago. And 2008, well, 2000, 2012, uh, I think. And uh, well, six years ago, I started over, I started to add some, because I had the logistic company, I had no more to care about making parcels and shipping 
them by myself and I had no more need to uh, empty the containers myself at five o'clock in the morning. And so I started uh, putting more, more products uh, online. So I started with spirulina, chlorella. Um, after we started the full range of seeds uh, with an, uh, um, a company in, in, um, in Italy. And then I started with all the range of seaweeds. But I was still alone, and then I, I remarried, and uh, my, my wife was interested to join in the business. So during some years, we were only two of us working, and slowly by slowly, we added more products, and we, we started traveling to meet our, all the businesses we were working with. And well, now we have around 150, between 150 and 200 products online and we are uh, we have 12 people working with us so yeah but uh, but but the progression more or less excellent excellent and and um it it seems like you you say that you're one of the biggest or the biggest living products living foods uh, companies in france is that right the fact is there are no really living foods company in france I can say easily I'm a bigot because I'm nearly the only one. <laughs> I mean, it's easy, you know. You know, it, it, it used to be a, I used to have this joke that I would go to these raw vegan events around Europe and, and around the world, and I never met anyone from France. And I would always say, "There's no one from France that's <laughs> doing a raw vegan diet," you know. Um, so I was always interested what 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 is happening and or what is like the French raw food movement or is there such a thing or now you, you know I, I was just in london last weekend to the vegan trade show it was like i took a trip in the future because <laughs> things are going so slowly in france it's crazy you know the the the, the weight the weight of the culinary traditions in france is, sure. is overwhelming it, it's right. what it blocks everything down it's crazy. In UK, you are so open. Your changes go fast. Uh, we were in Brighton. It was crazy. In Brighton, there are more vegan restaurants than classical ones. Not to be... In, in, it's in, impossible in France. Completely impossible. All the culture, all the so-called... Uh, well, I, culinary tradition or gourmet tradition in France and all the blockage we have with foreign languages, all this is, is cutting us from other movements and from other influences. So it's, it's I'm like a UFO guy in my business. <laughs> you know, when I started to put my business uh, in logistics, there were only 3% of businesses having the logistic company. In UK, it was more than the half. Wow. It, we are very near, but the, the mentalities are completely different. So because I'm from a Dutch background and I was used to live in Holland and, and to travel between Holland and France during my childhood, I saw the difference in a more open culture like Holland or, or, or UK, where you have the influences coming from US uh, that penetrates uh, or emerging yeah. from UK because UK is also giving birth to many movements. But France is like in a shell, you know, it's protected from everything. It has a strong culture for, in many, many things. 
but also it it's it's uh, it, it's it's uh, like uh, non permeable to other ideas and that's really it's tricky. interesting it's really interesting what you're saying because i'm realizing that obviously the english language means that a lot of us influences can immediately come to the uk very easily um and and probably back and forth there and but it seems like what you're saying is france is very sort of um resistant to other outside influences maybe exactly so but are, but are there any french i mean i i i think i have heard of some pioneers in france of not either uh, natural hygiene fasting um i'm sure there have been some is there, is there any you're aware of in terms of is it a separate sort of history there yeah and more in the you will find more easily persons being involved in um uh, naturopathy <clears throat> uh, we are the editors of irene grosjean maybe you don't know her she's a uh, she's a 93 old uh, lady <laughs> who is still uh, doing parachute, uh, um, uh, trampoline and, and all kinds of crazy things and giving lectures everywhere and, and, and traveling and going on planes. And she's on war foot for uh, mostly, I think, 40 to 50 years now. <clears throat> so there are that kind of persons, yes, you have. But I mean, real businesses uh, working only with... Um, Living foods, uh, we are, I think we are the only ones. Some businesses, of course, are doing it as a side business, but uh, <coughs> this kind of business, like we are doing, it's the only one. Very cool. I suppose it's, uh, it's good to know that you're, you're trying to get it out there. Um, how are you finding it, trying to get this message out to other people? Do you find that uh, are how, how are you reaching an audience, I suppose, in France? Uh, well, uh, we have, we rely more on organic audience. I would say we, we very recently, we had the chance, uh, we have Miss France, uh, Linda Hardy. She's a famous Miss France. Uh, she's now nearly, she's 49, but she's studying naturopathy. So we, we met her uh, last month and we are starting to work with some famous people. But um, it's more from word to mouth. And I think, uh, well, we exploded during COVID uh, because people were sitting at home and uh, questioning health um, and, and, and their attitude with health. And what we did during COVID, when COVID started, the, just two weeks after we started releasing well, my wife uh, released one time a course uh, for a living food course to, to learn about uh, uh, some new recipes. And it was like heavy to put up. We had to, you know, because we have so many kids, it's, it's, it's hard, hard to have the house clean and to have uh, time quiet and to have the ingredients and to have everything ready. So she, she brought up an idea. She told me, okay, listen, we will be doing some living foods in front of a camera during two to three hours. We will do between 15 and 20 recipes and we will sold it uh, nine euros or 10 euros. So with COVID, we started this and we, we did every, every month between March and I think July or, or August, we did one topic. 
So one was for living food with kids, one other was for including algae in your diet, one other was dehydrating, uh, another one was making uh, desserts, another one was living food uh, around the world recipes. So yes, this, this made a change, I think, because uh, in 2021, uh, we reached uh, uh, 2 billion sales. So we, we, it was COVID and, and, and the, the lockdown for us, it was like, it was crazy. We had to hire new people very quickly. And uh, well, it was like, yes, we, we, it, it, it gave us a push at that time. You said 2, two million in sales? Yes. And was that like over the course of time or during lockdown or? No, uh, per year. All right, per year. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So um, you, you were reaching a lot of people then. Sorry? You're, you're reaching a lot of people then. Uh, yeah, we, we have been reaching many people. And uh, what we do, what is specific to our business is that we travel a lot and we always meet. <clears throat> I'm personally uh, garant of the quality of the products we import. Right. And I always go when I can during lockdown, we could not. But for example, we are selling uh, blue-green algae from uh, Klamath Lake. And I wanted to see what is the harvest of Klamath algae. So we went to America and we went there at the harvesting season. And well, I saw everything and we are selling coconuts. So we go to Thailand, we go with the people who pluck the coconuts. And we, we see how they are um, uh, cut. And for me, you know, I, I'm very good in, I'm very, I'm not such a good man in, in, in marketing and branding, but I'm very interested in, in the sourcing, the quality right. sourcing. So what happens is when, well, we get samples being sent to us every week, but what our customers know they know we rely a lot, uh, they can rely on us um, for quality. They know we are really looking inside uh, the quality. For example, we have also uh, seawater from Ibiza, but it's a small family who is working in Ibiza and they are working on the quality of the water. They are making their own tests on their side. They are going with a boat in an area where there's a lot of plankton. You know, they are, they are really doing quality. And we mainly work with small businesses who, who, who give their heart in, in, in the quality. So that's, that's why when, when we get a customer, they understand this and they know when we put something on the market, they can rely on, on the quality. That's, that's the main thing. And the other thing uh, is we, have, we succeed to have um, good prices because we, we, we sell directly from container to end customer. No, we have no uh, reseller, no uh, distributor. Uh, so mainly for all our products, like, uh, like we did with the freeze-dried fruits we import from Thailand directly, we, we sell directly from, from importing directly to the end customer. So they have good prices. And the last thing we do, we always try to have uh, as much bulk as possible. 
For example, we are selling seeds for sprouting by bags of five kilo. So three families can gather by one buy bag and share it in, in three families. So it comes down to a very, very economical price. Yeah. Oh, great. And um, let, me, let me ask you a bit more about the way that you do a living foods diet. So um, what would it look like for a typical day if you were eating a, a living foods diet? What would that look like to you? Yeah, mainly I have uh, I start my day. Now we, we met Victoria Skublinkas in in, uh, in, uh, in Costa Rica. So he's uh, he gave us a, a kind of plan with enzymes. So for the first time of my life, uh, I'm having enzymes uh, before having meal just to try out what it gives to to have uh, uh, well supplement in enzymes. But Except that I have in the morning a smoothie with banana, spirulina, and some berries inside. So main of the part of the year I have frozen berries, and my yeah I'm having this uh, in the morning with a herbal tea, and uh, often in in lunch we have a big salad, and I have nearly every time for lunch and dinner we have avocados with um, uh, tartare d'algues. Uh, and we spread it on uh, crackers you, we make alone at home. And the tartar bag, we make it also at home. And now we sell it, but uh, at the beginning, we sold only the algae. So we have a big salad. And uh, in the evening, it, it's uh, usually uh, nowadays, it's, uh, we have a raw uh, blended soup uh, nice. made with milled, uh, milled water, milled temperature water. And uh, often I make, uh, well, I'm, I'm really fond of, uh, you know, 100% um, frozen banana ice cream. Oh, this yeah, is one great. of my favorite. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is, yes, uh, we do the banana. And when you melt a little bit uh, uh, coconut uh, oil over, uh, over <laughs> the frozen banana and with, with some... Um, some uh, uh, raw cacao uh, nibbles, then, well, it's, it's a nice uh, dinner. But, well, we try to have a, a light dinner. Uh, sometimes we skip dinner also to, to have a better night. And I, I would say when I skip dinner and I have just only some fruits at five, uh, then I sleep better. Hey, but the fact is we are with kids and the kids come back uh, from school at, at late in France, you know, in, yeah. in France it's, the system they can have mathematics between 4 and 5 p.m yeah. so they get back at 7 uh, and if we skip the meal then we have no time with the kids right. so that's why we have a meal at 7 we eat later than you in uk yeah but what um something interesting i saw on your website there's a video where uh, you're both taking your clothes off and <laughs> <laughs> Is that about sunshine on the body? Is that nudity? <laughs> what was what's the message there? No, the message is that we are not taking ourselves uh, seriously. And right. uh, <laughs> now there was a message. There was a message. The message was, was we are transparent on everything we do. Right. We don't hide. Uh, we are hundred percent transparent. We, you know, last week we 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 shipped two tons of uh, avocados who were uh, being left one year on the trees by uh, a farmer we are working with in Spain. And we had a big uh, amount of avocados who were uh, spoiled. 
So what we do, we just send an email to our customers and we say, okay, if you have uh, two avocados out of six, six points, just, just tell us we will uh, refund you. It's, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying wow. to be authentic and yeah, to be transparent and also to let know when we have issues or delays or whatever happens. And uh, I'm presenting everybody who is working with us has a small uh, place on the website to say what's their life, what do they like, all their partners, you know, all, the, all our employees, all our partners have, a, I don't, I want it to be as much horizontal as possible. And wow. uh, I think it's, 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 it's a place of, uh, well, of the owner of the business to be, to step backwards. And I don't want to be uh, in front of the scene, but just to have a business uh, going and to, to give the impulse and to give um, the values, you know, the values yeah. I have to, to spread them between my employees and, and, and also the, the partners we are working with. And one thing is also important for us, we try to, we are trying to host small businesses who are, who don't have the money to expand. And for example, there was one business who one year ago nearly closed. Uh, they were selling wraps. There were crazy wraps with uh, um, activated seeds, you know, mm -hmm. but they were getting tired of trying to penetrate the big markets and they were about to close the business. And when I, they, they, they brought some samples, we met them at home and I was so, I was feeling so sorry. They had such a high quality product and it did not resonate in the big names out there in, in the organic shops brands in France, which are very concentrated. So I told them, okay, listen, forget about selling just concentrate on producing and we will buy everything that is coming out your 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 place and we pay in advance so they can you know they are not threatened about money issues we did the same with the coconuts during one year we were buying a harvest uh three months before they harvested so they have enough cash flow to start the whole wow. whole thing so we start to do it also, and 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 that's why we we were naked. It's we are transparent, and we try to. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, we try to speak about all our partners, and I don't want to be the man in the middle. You know, I just uh, well, but we have. It's not not everything is not right, and we have also issues, and we have also yes transport issues with the COVID and with prices going up and, you know, like every business. But uh, we put the human in the center because Very cool. by the end, it's what you remember. It's human yeah. relationships yeah. that you make through business and uh, when giving you confidence. And all the people we are working, all uh, our employees are, in, are not employees. In fact, they are all self-owned, but we are working from... Uh, we, I'm just with my wife here. There's nobody else. All the other ones, I have one with each in Morocco. One is now in, in, in Spain. The other one is in Portugal. One is in Paris. Uh, I have, uh, and we meet sometimes, but uh, I, I just, I'm just confident they do their best. And 
I, I, I give them my confidence in, in, in also, and they are happy in the business. That's great. So I believe that you sell mostly to France, Belgium, Switzerland. Is that the only countries that you? These are the main countries. Yeah, we are, we are now uh, in 2020, we bought back the Easy Green company. Uh, so we are now manufacturing the Easy Green Sprouter and we are about to release an automatic Sprouter, which is working without energy, just relying on gravity. So we are working on it and we are trying to get our modes back from, from Asia to Europe. Uh, but yes, mainly, uh, except the, you have some in the U.S. Um, for the Easy Green and for the Easy Green, we have uh, many, we are selling to many places. But for the, um, let's say, uh, for the food, yes, it's mainly in the French. Uh, well, our website is in English too, but uh, main of, I think I have 90% of uh, French customers, more or less. Yeah, so it's biov.fr. Yes. I want to find the website, biov. We'll put the links down below. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, what, what, what are your plans for the future, Eric? What are you hoping to achieve and do? And <clears throat> So for this year, we have two plans. The first one is to release this automatic sprouter and working without energy to release in recycled plastic and in plant-based plastic. So that's why we, I'm getting the molds back from Asia because they, they are not able to deal with it in Asia. They don't know what recycled plastic is. And in, in Europe, they are, well, they are more in the move about this. So this is the first project. And when, when this project will be self-sustainable, uh, when we will have paid the molds back uh, with sales, I would like to have some humanitarian uh, uh, projects to offer some uh, sprouters in Africa, for example, because it, it works without energy. So this is one of uh, our main projects. The other one is, uh, I guess you know, the Living Light Culinary Institute, uh, which was north of uh, San Francisco um, in... Um, uh, what was the area? Well, anyway, uh, a bit more since San Francisco. This school has been uh, has been running for uh, I think I don't know maybe two decades, and uh, by Cherry Soya, who was the mother all of the world food recipes, and uh, we would be very happy to be able to open uh, such a school such a, a twin school of this one in, in Europe to, because for me, the way now to, to influence the market, well, some people would like to have a wolf food restaurant uh, out to go there. My, I have another opinion. I think it's more penetrating than, than having wolf food restaurants to have classical chefs being trained to add in their course just maybe one or two raw food course. Wow. So you can go with your friends, somebody can have some fish and you can have your uh, raw food, I don't know, your raw pizza or your raw uh, spaghetti or whatever. And it, it, I think it would penetrate the market quicker to, to go that way. So the idea would be to open a, a chef school in Europe. So we are 
we are busy with that project at the moment. And, uh, and yes, it's a long project anyway, but uh, we will, uh, this will be the future project. It's open a, a, a chat school. And well, if anyone listening is interested into that, uh, in any point to giving courses or to join in, then they can contact us because uh, yes, I would like to have it in both French and English. That's amazing. Sounds like a great idea. So, um, Eric, how could people maybe contact you if they want to get in touch with you about any of these things? Or do you have any uh, social media channels they can follow you on? Yeah, we have all the, we have everything. We have, well, even social media, I, I, I don't know nothing about because, But we are on Instagram, on Facebook. On Instagram, uh, it's mainly, yes, uh, officiel. Uh, and uh, on Facebook also, uh, Eric and Aurélie uh, Biovi, I think something. I, I give you the links after. Uh, sure. We are on. Well, we are on all social. We are on Pinterest also, and also on TikTok. And uh, we have a blog where we release, but this is mainly in French. Uh, two to three articles every week. And we have a newsletter that has been, that is being read by, uh, well, we send it to 40,000 people every week and it's read by 20,000 uh, that opens. That's amazing. Emails. So this amazing. is nice. But you can uh, send me an email to Eric with a C at bov.fr and it gets directly to me. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for giving us some time today. It's been a really interesting story. Um, and uh, I encourage everyone to go and check out the website and uh, get in touch with Eric and everything, if any of that is, um, makes sense to you. And I want to thank everyone for watching and listening. Please feel free to share, to like, to comment, to pass this on to others. And we will see you in the next episode of the Love Fruit Podcast. Thank you very much, everyone.